0: VOLUME 2 CHAPTER 1 OF THE HEIDENMAUER OR THE BENEDICTINES A LEGEND OF THE RHINE BY JAMES FEDEMORE COOPER THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN FOR MORE INFORMATION OR TO VOLUNTEER PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG READ BY JOEL Kendrick THE HEIDENMAUER BY JAMES FEDEMORE COOPER VOLUME 2 CHAPTER 1 Ah, now soft blushes tinge her cheeks, and mantle on her neck of snow. Rogers. The cottage of Lockton, the mother of Berktold, was distinguished from the other habitations of the hamlet only by its greater neatness and by that air of superior comfort which depends chiefly on taste and habit, and of which poverty itself can scarcely deprive those who have been educated in the usages and opinions of a higher caste it stood a little apart from the general cluster of humble roofs and in addition to its other marks of superiority it possessed the advantage of a small enclosure by which it was partially removed from the publicity and noise that robbed most of the villages and hamlets of europe of a rural character We have had frequent occasions to allude to the difficulty of conveying accurate ideas of positive things or even of moral and political truths while using the terms which use has appropriated to the two hemispheres but which are liable to so much qualification in their respective meanings what is comfort in one country would be thought great discomfort in another and even the two higher degrees of comparison must always be understood subject to a right knowledge of their positive qualities Thus, most beautiful conveys nothing clear, unless we can agree on what is beautiful, while neatness and elegance and even size taken in their popular significations become purely terms of local convention. Were we to say that the cottage of Lockton Hintermeier resembled, in the least, one of those white and spotless dwellings, with its Venetian blinds and pillar piazzas, its grassy court in front and its garden teeming with golden fruit in the rear, its acacias and willows standing the low roof, and its shrubbery exhaling the odors that a generous sun can extract, we should give such a picture to the reader as Europe nowhere presents. Nowhere. Because in those regions in which nature has been bountiful, man has been held in mental duress, and in those in which man is sufficiently advanced and free to require the indulgences we have named— Nature denies the boon so necessary to their existence. Here, and here only, do those whom fortune has not smiled upon possess the union of comfort, space, retirement, and luxury, which depend on the causes named, for it is only here that are found the habits necessary to their production in conjunction with the required climate and a cheapness of material and land, to place the whole within the reach of those who are not affluent. We wish, therefore, to be understood as speaking, at all times, under the consciousness of this difference in the value of terms, for, without such an understanding, there will be little intelligence between us and our countrymen. We have made this explanation lest the reader might fancy some affinity between the hamlet of Hartenberg and one in the older settlements of the Union." The remoteness of the period might indeed give some reason to suspect such a resemblance, but were the tale one of our own times, it would be scarcely probable. The Germans, like all the more northern nations, are neat in proportion to their several degrees of civilization, and the great frequency of the little capitals which dot its surface and which have all been more or less beautified by their respective princes." Has caused it to possess a greater number of spacious and cleanly towns, in proportion to its population, than are to be met with in most of the other countries of the European continent. But as elsewhere in that quarter of the world, the poor are poor indeed. The little cluster of houses that were grouped beneath the salient bastions of Hartenburg had the general character of poverty and humility which still belongs to nearly all such hamlets. The buildings were constructed of timber and mud with thatched roofs, and openings to which, in that age, glass was a stranger. In speaking of the comfort of the dwellings of Lochin, we wish to say little more than it was superior to its fellows in these particulars, and that it had the additional merit of faultless neatness. The furniture, however, gave much stronger evidence of the former condition of its tenant. Enough of this description of property had been saved from the wreck of her husband's fortunes, to leave before the eyes of its mistress these traces of happier days. One of those melancholy consolations in adversity which are common among those who fall has been broken by some light circumstances of mitigation, and which, as monitors to delicacy and tenderness, make touching appeals to the recollections of the spectator. But Berchtold's mother had still better claims to the respect of those who came beneath her humble lintel. As we have already said, she had been the bosom friend of Ulrich in her early youth, and by education and character, she was still every way worthy of holding so near a trust with the wife of the Burgomaster. The allowance of her son was small in money, but the count permitted his forester to use the game freely, and as German frugality left her mistress of the wardrobes of several generations. The respectable matron had never known absolute want, and was at all times able to make such a personal appearance as better suited her former than her present means. In addition to these advantages, Ulric never visited the Jaegerthal without thought of her friend's necessities, and full often at times of the seasons when this sacred duty could not be performed in person, was Ilse dispatched to the hamlet as the substitute of her considerate and affectionate mistress. The cavalcade from the Abbey had, of necessity, passed the door of Lochin, and she was fully aware of the intended visit. When therefore Meta blooming and happy entered the cottage, attended by the warder's daughter, and accompanied by Burkhold, though secretly rejoicing in what she saw, the pleased and watchful matron neither expressed nor felt surprise. Thy mother were the first words which passed the lips of the widowed Lochin after she had kissed the glowing and warm cheek of the girl is closeted with Herr Emick, my father says, else would she be sure to be here. She has sent me to say this. And thy father, added Lakshin, with emphasis glancing an uneasy eye from Meta to her son, he drinks of Rhenish with the Wassailers. Truly, my mother Lakshin, thou must find the hamlet unquiet with these graceless spirits in the hold. Our Limburg monks are scarcely so thirsty and for idle discourse. I know not their equal in Durkheim, town of vanities and folly though it be, as good Ilse is apt to say. Lakshin smiled, for she saw by the playful eye of her young visitor that nothing unpleasant had occurred, and giving Gisela welcome, she led the way within. Does Heinrich know of this visit? asked the widow, when her young guests were seated and with a painful interest in the answer. I tell thee, Lochchin, that my father quaffs with the strangers. Here is Berkhold thy son, the restless impatient Berkhold. He can tell thee, mother, into what goodly company the burgomaster of Durkheim hath fallen. The more experienced Lochin saw little else in the mirth of her young visitor than one of those buoyant impulses of youth which lead equally to gaiety and sorrow without sufficient cause, but she watched the countenance of her own child with solicitude. To note how far he sympathized with the merriment of Meta, Burckhold, by speaking, was the interpreter of his own thoughts. "'Since thou appealest to me,' he said, "'my answer is that Heinrich Frey consorts at present "'with two as hopeless idlers as ever darkened the door in Hartenburg. "'Truly, Brother Luther needs bestir himself for the church "'when such as these go forth in its garments.'" Say what thou wilt, Master Burkhold, cried Gisela, of the pratting half-shaven abbé, but respect him of Rhodes, as a soldier in evil fortune, and one that is both gentle and gallant. As gallant as thou wilt, cried Meta with warmth, thy humor for mild discourse must be formed by the rude company of the bold, if thou stylest these gentle. Lakshin had examined each face earnestly, and her countenance brightened with the frankness and fervor of the last speaker. She was about to say something in guarded commendation of her judgment when a light step was heard before the outer door and ulric herself entered notwithstanding the early departure of the young people from the castle and the trifling distance between its walls and the hamlet so much leisure had been wasted in idle laughter by the way, or in culling flowers on the hillside, that she had sufficient time to exhaust all that old Ilse had to recount concerning the manner in which she had disposed of her charge, and to follow them to the cottage ere the discourse had gone farther. The meeting between the friends was, as want, warm and happy. When the usual inquiries were exhausted and a few unmeaning observations had been made by the girls, the younger part of the company were gotten rid of under pretense of conducting meta to witness the manner in which Burkhold had arranged the nests for some doves, which had been a present from herself to his mother. The two parents saw the departure of their children always accompanied by Gisella, with satisfaction. For each had need of a secret conference with the other, and both knew how apt youth and inclination were to prolong their absence, by means of those thousand little delays which form the unconscious and innocent coquetry of love. When left to themselves, Ulrich and Lakshin sat, for some time, with hands interlocked, regarding one another earnestly. Thou hast borne the trying season of the springtime well, good Lakshin, said the former, with affection. I have no longer any fear that thy health might suffer in this damp abode. And thou lookest youthful and fair as when we strolled like Meta there laughing and thoughtless girls on the heath of the Heidenmauer. Of all I have known, Ulrich, thou art the least changed by time, either in form or heart. The gentle pressure before they released each other's hands was a silent pledge of their mutual esteem. Thou findest Meta blooming and happy? as she meriteth to be and burkhold i think him fast growing into the comeliness and form of his sire he is all i could wish one qualification accepted my friend and that thou well knowest i do not wish him for any other reason than to satisfy heinrich's scruples for my child, that qualification is hopeless. Burkhold has too much generous indifference to gold ever to accumulate were the means his. But what hope is there for a humble forester, who travels his range of chase, follows his lord to ceremonies, or attends him in battle? The Herr Emic values thy son, and I do think would fain do him favor. Were the Count earnestly to reason with Heinrich, all hope would not yet be lost." Lakshan dropped her eyes to the work on which her needle was employed, for necessity had rendered her systematically industrious. The pause was long and thoughtful, but while Ulrich pondered on the chances of overcoming her husband's love of money and his worldly views, a very different picture had presented itself to the mind of her friend. The eyelids of the latter trembled, and a hot tear fell upon the linen in her lap. I have thought much of late, Ulrich, she said, of the justice of burthening thy happiness and golden fortunes with the load of our adversity. Burkhold is young and brave, and there seems as little necessity as there is right in weighing thee and Meta down to our own level. I have anxiously wished for the means of counseling with some friend less interested than thou on the fitness of what we do, but it is difficult to speak of so delicate a subject without wronging thy daughter." If thou wouldest have the most disinterested and wisest of all advisers, Lakshin, take counsel of thine own heart. That tells me to be just to thee and Meta. Dost thou aught of Burkhold's manners or mine, that may have escaped the observation of an anxious mother, who desires to match her own child with nothing but the deserving? Lakshin smiled through her tears and gazed at the mild features of Ulrich with reverence. If thou wouldest hear evil of the youth, do not come to her who hath no other hope for the tidings. The orphan is the sole riches of his widowed mother. And dost thou fancy, Lochin, that thy son in poverty is dearer to thee than is meta to her mother, though providence may have left us wealth and consideration? Misfortune hath indeed changed thee, and thou art no longer the Lochin of my young days. I will say no more, Ulrich answered the widow in a low voice, speaking like one rebuked. I leave all to heaven and thee. Thou art certain that were Burkhold Count of Leinogen, his and my desire would be to see Meta his bride. A nearly imperceptible smile played upon the sweet mouth of Ulrich, for she bethought her of the recent discourse with Emic, but there was neither suspicion nor discontent in the passing thought. She was too wise to put human nature to very severe tests and much too meek to believe all who fell short of perfection unworthy of her esteem. "'We will think of things as they are,' she answered, "'and not dwell on impossible chances. "'Wert thou Ulric and I, Lachin, "'none can believe more fervently than I "'that these opinions would undergo no change. "'Of meta thou art sure, my friend, "'but truth bids me say that I fear Heinrich will never yield.' His mind is much occupied with what the world deems its equality of interests, and it will be hard indeed to bring him to balance virtues against gold. And is he so wrong? Of what excellence is Berkhold possessed that does not find at least its equal in meta? Happiness cannot be bartered for, as we would look into the value of houses and lands. He is wrong. And I could weep. Oh, how bitterly I have wept that Heinrich Frey should be thus bent on casting the happiness of that artless and unpractised child on the rude chances of so narrow calculations. But we will still hope, added Ulrich, drying her tears, and turn our thoughts to the more cheerful side. Thou saidst something of the power of my boy with the Count, and of his wish to do a service? I know no other means to move Heinrich's mind, though kind and yielding to me in all matters that he believes touch my state he believes that no woman is a fit judge of the world's interests and i fear i should add that from too much familiarity with my poor means he places his wife lowest among her sex in this particular there is no hope therefore that any words of mine can change him but the Lord Emic has great hold on his judgment. For Lach, and they who prize the world's smiles ever yield reverence to those that chance to possess them largely. The widow dropped her eyes, for rarely in their numerous and friendly conferences did her friend allude to the weaknesses of her husband. And the Herr Emic, she asked, desirous to change the discourse. The count is much disposed to aid us, as I have said, for I have laid bare to him our wishes this morning and have much entreated him to do this kind act. It is not want for thee to be the solicitor with the Herr von Hartenberg Ulrich, rejoined Lakshin, raising her eyes again to the countenance of her friend, across whose cheek there passed a flush so faint as to resemble the reflection of some bright color of her attire, while a still less obvious smile dimpled the skin. The looks that were exchanged told the recollections that were both joyous and melancholy, being, as it were, hasty but comprehensive glances into the pregnant volume of the past. It was the first request, resumed Ulric. nor can I say the boon was absolutely refused, though its gift was coupled with a condition impossible to grant. If it were too much for thy friendship, it must have been hard indeed. Lakshin spoke under the influence of one of those sudden and keen impulses of disappointment, which sometimes make the strong in principle momentarily forget their justice. And Ulrich perfectly understood the meaning of her words, the difference in their fortunes, the hopelessness of the future with the fallen Lakshin, and the bitterness of unmerited contumely and poverty, the severe judgments which a thoughtless world inflicts on the unlucky, passed quickly through the mind of the latter amid a tumult of regrets and recollections. Of this thou shalt judge for thyself, Lakshin, she answered calmly, and when thou hast heard me, I require thy unconcealed reply, conjuring thee by that long and constant friendship across which no cloud has ever yet passed, to lay bare thy soul, shading no thought, no desiring to color even the most latent of thy wishes. Thou hast only to speak." Hast thou never suspected that all this warlike preparation in the hold, in the presence of the men-at-arms in Limburg, tends to no good? Both speak of war, but the elector is sore-pressed, and it is now long since our Germany was at perfect peace. Nay, thy surmises must have gone beyond these general causes. The look of surprise assured Ulrich she was mistaken. And Burkhold? Has he said naught of his lord's intentions? continued the latter. He talks of battles and sieges like most of his years, and he often essays the armor of his grandfather which lumbers yon closet. For thou knowest, though not of knightly rank, we have had soldiers in our race. Is he not angered against Limburg? He is, and yet he is not. There is a little flame of resentment, I regret to say, in all of the Jägerthal against the monks, which is much fanned in my son by his foster brother Gottlob, the cowherd. This flame has descended to the hind from his lord. All that Gottlob says, emek hath more than hinted. Nay, there was revelling in the hold between Bonifacius and the count no later than the night past. Too much blindness to that which passeth before thy eyes, dear Lachlan, is a virtuous feeling of thy nature. The count of Hartenburg plots the downfall of the abbey altars, and he has this day sworn to me that if I will win Heinrich to his wishes, no influence or authority of his shall be wanting to make Burkhold and Meta happy. Glatchen heard this announcement with the silent amazement with which the unsuspecting and meek first hearkened to the bold designs of the ambitious and daring. This would be sacrilege, she exclaimed with emphasis. Twould be to disgrace the altars of God that her desires might prevail." There was a pause. Lakshin rose from her chair, with so little effort that, to the imagination of her excited friend, it seemed her stature grew by supernatural means. Then, raising her arms, the widowed mother poured out her feelings in words. Ulrich, thou knowest my heart, she said, thou who art the sister of my love, if not of my blood, thou, from whom no childish thought was hid, no maiden feeling concealed, thou, to whom my mind was but a mirror of thine own, Reflecting every wish, all impulses, each desire, and well dost thou know how dear to me is Burkhold. Thou canst say that when heaven took his father, the yearnings of a mother alone tempted me to live, that for him I have borne adversity with contentment, smiling when he smiled, and rejoicing when the buoyancy of youth made him rejoice, that as for him I have lived, so that for him would I die. Thou canst say, Ulrich, that my own youthful and virgin affections were not yielded with great delight and confidence, than I have witnessed this growing tenderness for Meta. And yet do I here declare in the presence of God and his works that before a rebel wish of mine shall aid Count Emic in this act? There is no earthly sorrow I will not welcome, no humility that I will dread. The pious Lotchen sank into her seat, pale, trembling, and exhausted with an effort so unusual the widowed mother of burkhold had never possessed the rare personal attractions of her friend and those which were left by time had suffered cruel marks from sorrow and depression still where she now sat her face beaming with the inspiration of the reverence she felt for the deity and her soul charged to bursting ulrich thought she had never seen one more fair her own eyes brightened with delight for at that moment of spiritual elevation neither thought of any worldly interests and her strongest wish was that the count of hartenberg could be a witness of this triumph of principle over selfishness her own refusal though so similar in manner and words the natural result of their great unity of character seemed destitute of all merit for what was the simple denial of one of her means compared to this lofty readiness to encounter a contumely that was already so bitterly understood I expected no less, answered Ulric, when emotion permitted speech. From thee, Lakshin, less would have been unworthy, and more could scarcely come. We will now speak of other things, and trust to the power of the dread being whose majesty is menaced. Hast thou yet visited the Heidenmauer? Notwithstanding the excited state of her own feelings, which were however gradually subsiding to their usual calm, Lakshin took heed of the change of manner in her friend as she uttered the last words and the slight tremor of the voice with which her question was put. The kindness of the anchorite to Burkhold and his great reputation for sanctity drew me thither. I found him of mild discourse and a recluse of great wisdom. Didst note him well, Lakshin? As the penitent regards him who offers consolation. I would thou hadst been more particular." The widow glanced toward her friend in surprise, but immediately turned her eyes that were still filled with tears to her work. There was a moment of musing and painful pause, for each felt the want of their usual and entire confidence. Dost thou distrust him, Ulrich, not as a penitent or one willing to atone? Thou disprovest of the deference he receives from the country round? Of that thou mayest judge, Lakshin, when I tell thee that I suffer meta to seek counsel from him." Lochin showed greater surprise, and the silence was longer than before, and still more embarrassing. It is long since thou hast named to me good Lochin, one that was so much and so warmly in our discourse when we were girls. The amazement of the listener was sudden and marked. She dropped her work and clasped her hands together with force. Dost thou believe this? burst from her lips. Ulrich bowed her head, apparently to examine the linen, though really unconscious of the act while the hand she extended trembled violently. I have sometimes thought it, she answered, scarcely speaking above a whisper. A merry laugh, one of those joyous impulses which spring from the gaiety of youth, was heard at the door, and Metta entered, followed by Burkhold and the warder's daughter. At this interruption, the friends arose and withdrew to an inner room. End of Volume 2, Chapter 1, Read by Joel Kendrick